This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. So take your Bibles, please. Let's turn together to Luke's Gospel, Luke 22. Let me ask you this morning, which character in the Bible do you relate to the most? All right, I'm talking to mainly God's people this morning. You've studied your Bible. As you think about those whose lives are revealed to us in Scripture, and by the way, they get revealed, don't they? Not just the outside, we get to see right into the heart through inspiration. So, with those Bible characters, who do you relate to the most? Ladies, those ladies in, in the Scripture. Guys, those men. Uh, regardless of your gender this morning. People who had a rough start and then God intervened in their lives and changed them. Who do you relate to the most? One individual that we should all relate to is the disciple Peter. Now I'm curious what came into your mind as we mentioned the name Peter. I relate to Peter because there have been a number of times that I've tasted shoe leather. How about you? Open the mouth, insert foot, okay, and then find out later you should have just been quiet. That was Peter. Peter was the one who wanted to step out first. And oh, by the way, before we get too critical of Peter, he's still the only guy besides God who walked on water. Okay. So we need to consider the life of Peter. We're in a series right now entitled Faith's Journey. Uh, you're alive, you're here, you're on a journey. Hopefully you have come to faith in Jesus Christ and so you're on a narrow road that leads to heaven. We've been looking at a text in the Old Testament that helps us understand for the believer how that journey works. It's found in Deuteronomy 6, verse 23. It'll be up on the screen for you. And here's, what, here's what it says. And he brought us out from thence, speaking of God bringing Israel out of Egypt, that he might bring us in, into the promised land, to give us the land which he swore unto our fathers. Now we know there was Egypt, we know there was the promised land, but in between there was this wilderness. And God allowed Israel to go into the wilderness because he wanted to deliver to them his law. They weren't going to be able to enter the promised land unless they knew the mind of God about how to live and please him. And so he gave them the law, but then he tested them to see if when they had a need, instead of depending on themselves, and by the way, depending on yourself sounds like, oh, I wish I was back in Egypt. Leeks and garlics. All right. You're desperate if you're, you're 
craving leeks and garlic, okay? Uh, but, and the fish, you know, we had all that. That's, the, that's self. And the Lord wanted them to learn to depend on him. And so it's an important passage, but it reflects on what God does in the life of every believer. And so today, I believe God would have us see that he only uses broken men and women who stop relying on self for anything. You are not dependent on you for anything. Everything you have is from the Lord. Your life and, and, and just what is required to sustain you every day is from God. And so we need to rely on Him for everything and not ourselves. And so you're in Luke 22, and this is a lesson that the Lord needed to teach Peter. Now there was a day when Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee... And Peter initially does have it right. He says no to himself, he denies himself, and he completely depends on the Lord, and he's saved. It started this way, Jesus is walking along and he comes to a group of disciples. They're not disciples yet, they're fishermen. And he says to them, follow me. And the scripture says that they left everything. They leave family members, they leave nets, boats, they leave, they leave their livelihood, their careers, and they follow the Lord. Now, if you understand how the Gospels work uh, and the chronology of the Gospels, uh, they come back to their nets and there will be another time that the Lord will come and say to them, follow me. All right, but... They were willing to forsake all and follow. And then when the Lord gives them the message about himself, the reality is they believe that he is Messiah. He is God come in the flesh, and they're saved. Hearing his teaching, they're saved. Now, that's where it all starts for a believer. You cannot get to a life that is uh, completely yielded to God unless you take that first step of yieldedness, which is admitting that you're a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We were born sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. We were born that way. We're, we flesh it out regularly. And so there comes a point in our lives as the Holy Spirit convicts us that we are willing to say to God, I am a sinner and condemned just like you say. He that believeth is not condemned, that he, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. And so we acknowledge that and we say to God, I'm a sinner, I'm condemned like you say. Now I believe that you are who you said you were, Lord Jesus. God come in the flesh and that what you did on the cross paid for sin and then after three days you rose again conquering death and I'm putting my trust in you. Lord, please save me. And he'll save you. Amen. It starts there. And by the way, with genuine salvation, there's a regeneration that happens, new life, radical change. That happened with Peter. Peter followed the Lord for three and a half years. And we get to Luke 22. 
and we see that there are still some great needs in Peter's life. So I've entitled our message, Breaking the Self-Life, and really Breaking the Self-Dependent Life. That's what God requires of us. So look down now at Luke 22. Let's begin the reading in verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now watch this. He wants to take you and do with you whatever he wants. Okay? But I have prayed for thee. Now pause for a moment. Realize what the Lord just said to Peter is, if, if Satan is going to try to do that to you, you need me. And so I've prayed for you that thy faith fail not. Not that you don't fail. Your faith doesn't fail. If you'll continue to trust me, Peter, you can't fail. Your faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brother. Now here's something amazing in verse 32. Verse 32 is a prediction that Peter's going to fail. And it's found in that word, converted. The word converted means to change direction to turn around. We're going to say more about that in a minute, but the Lord is saying, Peter, you're going to have to change direction. Later, Peter's going to say, I'm not going to deny you. I'm not going to fail you. The Lord had already predicted that Peter would do that. Now, let's read on here. Verse 33, said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Wow. So keep in mind what Peter said. Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Now, as we look at this text, I am ready revealed Peter's self-life that needed to be broken. I'm ready. I wonder when you entered into 2021, if you made some of those resolutions, I'm ready. This is going to change. I'm going to do this. I'm going to wear out my treadmill, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm ready. But it revealed Peter's self-life. Here was a man that needed to be broken by God. Looking at that, here are some things that the verse teaches us. First, Peter was self-determined. Now don't misunderstand. It is a good thing to be determined to do God's will. But here's the thing. You have to be determined to do all of God's will, which includes dependence. Remember over in John 15, Jesus said, without me, you can do what? No thing, nothing. Do you know that when you compare Luke's gospel and John's gospel, when Jesus said those words in John 15, that is the farewell discourse. So, so Peter's hearing, without me, you can't do anything. And yet what's he saying? I'm ready. I am ready. If you're not dependent on the Lord, you're not ready. He was self-determined. 
He was also self-dependent. He missed the realities of Luke twenty-two thirty-two. Jesus said, I've prayed for you. Now that should have, again, been a reminder to Peter, I can't, whatever is in the future, I can't do it without the Lord's help. I need his intervention. But then there's that word converted that I mentioned earlier. It means to be brought back. It's the idea, as the Lord speaks to Peter, I've prayed for you, you're going to be converted, and then you're going to be able to minister to the brethren. Not, he is not saying you're going to be saved. He's saying you're going to be brought back as a repentant disciple. You're already a follower. But there's going to be some things that you're going to have to be broken about, that you're going to have to repent about, and then you're going to be able to minister. You know, there are a lot of Christians that are trying to serve the Lord in their own strength. That's frustrating. But listen to this. It's also fruitless. Why is it fruitless? Because anything that I do in my strength for the Lord, it's filthy rags. It's worthless. It just is. Okay? If, if I'm doing it in my strength, God doesn't get the glory and it's not going to amount to anything. I'll never forget as a Christian and, and, and beginning my journey with the Lord, when I realized that, that truth, that anything I do in my flesh is worthless, I mean, that, that hit me. It's one of those moments where, you know, the Lord drives a truth into your heart. I'll never forget that. And there are Christians, if they haven't heard the, the teaching on the spirit-filled life, the spirit-dependent life, there are believers that go most of their life thinking, you know, if I just keep rules, if I just deny myself, and if I work hard, God is pleased. There's a nugget of truth in that. He is pleased if I deny myself, but I also have to have the dependence. Because if I'm producing the fruit, it's not fruit at all. So he was self-dependent. Notice he was also self-deceived. Look again at verse 33. He said unto the Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Self-deceived. Now, prison's a big deal. Death is a big deal. But you know what? Prison, death... Was he going to stand up to that? No. How do we know? Because you're going to get to the end of this chapter and a young girl is going to come up to Peter and say, I saw you with Jesus. And he's going to cave. He's going to fold. Oh, no, no, not me. That's going to happen. Three People are going to ask him three times and he's going to deny. And the last time he denies, he's going to blaspheme. It's not prison, Peter, and death. You, you can't even stand up to pressure when somebody tries to identify you with Jesus. You say, well, I'm, I'm different. I, I'm going to follow the Lord to the end. I'm going to... I, please stop. If you're doing it in your strength... Somebody begins to question you about your relationship with the Lord, you're not going to be able to stand. And by the way, I think there are believers regularly who experience that. You know, if they go into the workplace, they go to a family event or whatever, and things begin to happen, talk and so on that doesn't please the Lord, criticism of being a Christian or whatever, and they just clam up. They're silent. 
instead of lovingly lifting their voice and saying, you know what, I'm a child of God. Jesus is my Lord. Let me tell you about him. And standing for him instead of denying him. So he was self-deceived. And then number four, Peter was self-righteous. Consider together what he said in Matthew 26, 33. Peter answered and said unto him, The Lord, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I not be offended. Self-righteous. I'm different than everybody else. I'm better. And we know that all the disciples fled. We know that two disciples came back. But then one of them denied the Lord three times, and he went out and wept bitterly. That's Peter. And then there's one disciple who stayed with the Lord the entire time, and he's at the foot of the cross with some other women, uh, with some women who were followers as well. And of course, that was the Apostle John. So Peter answered, Though all men, I'm not going to fail. Can you sense in his words Peter's self-life? Now, what does this teach us about Peter? I am ready, revealed that Peter's self-life needed to be broken. That's the self-life. Now, here's the question. Does any of this mirror your life? Does it mirror your life? It isn't enough to say that Peter reminds you of you. Let me just ask you this morning, be specific. Review that. Self-determined, self-dependent, self-deceived, self-righteous, self-confident. Is that you? Now, we can be determined, dependent, righteous, and confident. But that only comes through a life that is yielded to the Lord. Now, I want you to see... Peter's transformation. This is a radical transformation that takes place. Go back to Matthew 26 now, and let's, let's just take a look at this transformation, this change that happens with Peter. Matthew 26. And verse 40. Now, this, this is when dependence is needed the most. This is when the Lord needed the disciples the most. Of all the earthly ministry, this is the moment. Verse 40, Jesus had just prayed and he comes back to his disciples and finds them asleep and said unto, they're all sleeping, but notice who he spoke to, Peter. What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Why does he say it to Peter? All the disciples are sleeping. All the disciples are about to fail. But only one disciple is going to deny and blaspheme. He says it to Peter. Watch and pray, verse 41, that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? It's weak. Now, in this passage, the Lord gives Peter and the other disciples the key. Watch 
and pray. What are you to watch for? Well, what? yes, the things that are happening around you, but you need to be looking to the Lord. That's where the prayer comes in. So you're seeing the challenges, you're seeing the problems, you're seeing the potential areas for failure, and therefore you're praying to the Lord. You're asking for His enablement. The Lord will come back again. Peter's sleeping. All the other disciples are sleeping. They're at one end of the garden, and at the other end, here comes the mob. We had the opportunity a year ago, uh, several from the church here, Brother Sam was part of that trip too. We got to spend some quiet time in that garden, just us. Uh, they've got it gated off in sections and they closed the gate. We were in the other end of the garden, probably where the Lord and his disciples uh, were together. The olive trees that are there, olive trees can live thousands of years. It's amazing. Perhaps even some of the same olive trees. But there we were, and in the quiet, just meditating on our need to be dependent. The Lord comes back, they're sleeping, and of course the confrontation happens and the disciples scatter. So, Matthew 26 gives us Peter before he was broken. And what we see is that his prayer life was broken. Why are so many Christians struggling to be faithful, to accomplish God's will? Simple answer, they're not dependent. And what's the proof of it? Their prayer life is broken. If we could do an analysis of your prayer life this past week, we not only would know about your walk with the Lord, but we would know whether or not you're self-determined, self-dependent, self-deceived, self-righteous, and so on. Folks, our prayer life makes all the difference. Prayer is the breath of dependence. But as we move on in Peter's life, number two, before Peter had consistent faith, he had to be conquered by failure. And so go back now to Luke 22. We looked at some earlier verses. Notice what happens at the end of the chapter. Jesus had prayed. Peter would need to be converted because Peter is not a dependent man. What's the proof of that? Verse 61. Peter's been denying. The Lord is on trial. And the way it was situated at Caiaphas' house, the Lord could look out of the room where he is being tried and, and he's being struck and, and they're, they're mocking him. He can look out of that room and he can look into the courtyard and his eyes met Peter's. The Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. You know what that's talking about? From his heart, he sobbed. He was broken hearted. <laughs> it had to happen. He had to be broken. Now we look at that and say, oh, what a, what a failure. But you've got to step back and say, yeah, but it was also a necessary place to, for Peter to be. When's the last time before the Lord you wept about anything? Oh, we, we, 
disappointment. Yeah, we, we weep about those things. When's the last time you wept about your sin? When's the last time that you recognized that your sin before the Lord was a denial? Yes, as bad as Peter's denial. It's not until we see our failure and our sin in that light that we're ever going to be broken. We just kind of get used to it, don't we? Uh, an author that we all know wrote a book entitled Respectable Sins. Christians have respectable sins. Well, everybody does this. Everybody struggles with me. Nobody, I hate this. Nobody's perfect. Duh. But what are we doing? We're dismissing sin. But any sin is an egregious affront and it's a denial of our God. By the way, we're going to celebrate the Lord's table in a little bit. That's why if you are excusing sin, not confessing sin in your life, don't partake of the table. You're, you're guilty of that violation. His sacrifice delivered us from sin. And when we excuse it, when we tolerate it, when we're self-righteous, that's an affront against the Lord. So before Peter had consistent faith, he had to be conquered by Failure. Would you let your failure conquer you? Not defeat you. There's a difference. But let it conquer you to realize in my flesh, I can't do anything to please the Lord. God, I need you to break me so that I can be all you want me to be. And then thirdly, Peter, because Peter was now a contrite man, he became a conqueror of men. Go to Acts chapter 2. And I would encourage you on your own, we, we don't have time this morning to do this, but just go through and, and notice what happened when Peter now has the Holy Spirit and Peter is yielded to the Spirit after Pentecost. Notice the different transformed Peter. He's a different guy. Chapter 2, notice verse 14. Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not uh, drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Stop. There's the key. The Spirit of God indwelling these men who are broken and yielded. And watch what happens. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out on those days, in those days, my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I shall show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood, fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. Now stop for a moment and understand what he's saying. He's not saying that the disciples are going to make this happen. They're saying, uh, he is saying, he's preaching, as we are spirit controlled by God, we are part of the plan where God is coming back to judge the earth. Daniel, Revelation. And we get to be an empowered part of that whole plan. 
because we're broken and yielded to God. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be what? Save the gospel. So what was promised in Acts 1.8 now is being fulfilled here. Peter is standing, he's preaching, he's a spirit-controlled man, and ultimately what happens is the gospel is proclaimed. And when you get to the end of the chapter, thousands are saved. From a disciple who a couple weeks ago ran, blasphemed, different transformed guy, what happened? He's broken and he's yielded. Do you have any idea what would happen in America and in this world if God's people were broken and yielded? You would not recognize the church in many places. We could go on through the book of Acts. I've given you some other texts there. Our time is up. But in those passages, Peter is pushing away from any self-promotion. And Peter's deflecting all the attention to God. And he continues to be mightily used. So let's conclude. Here's some final truths that you and I need to embrace and understand. First, brokenness must come before revival since God only revives the humble and contrite heart. Now, let me pause for a moment. Do you understand what God has been doing for good news these past months? God put heavy on my heart the need for us to work through the Sermon on the Mount. God led me to this series. And next week we start revival meetings with an evangelist of all the evangelists that are out there, and I'm not comparing, okay? I want to be careful. But John Van Gelderen is... A walking encyclopedia, really, when it comes to the history of revival and a man who has probably written more on the spirit-filled life than any other evangelist in our day. Do you see what God's bringing together? Now, what did we learn on the Sermon on the Mount? Brokenness must come before revival since God only revives the humble and contrite spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Why? They're the only ones who are blessed. Notice also, Isaiah 47, 15. This is what we're talking about. And this is what the prophet said. For thus saith the high and holy lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also, who is of a contrite and humble heart. Don't miss this. To revive the spirit of the humble. And to revive the heart of the contrite ones. And so the breaking process is hard. But the promised land is worth it. It's worth it. And I don't doubt at all this morning that there are believers here. Some of you are living in that promised land. God has broken you, you're yielded to the Spirit of God, and you're just rejoicing in a land that flows with milk and honey. It's not problem-free, and it doesn't mean there isn't conflict from time to time, but you're rejoicing in your relationship with the Lord, and through you, He is doing His work. Will you be willing to move out of the wilderness and choose to be broken? 
The breaking process involves the believer cooperating with God in order that he might see himself as God sees him. Are we willing to confess what we are that he might cleanse us? Again, this goes back to seeing sin as denying Christ's will. And that being as egregious as whatever Peter did at Caiaphas' house. And then, understand that God will cultivate faith in a broken heart so that you and I might access the abundant life in Christ. And, and, and it's really hard to understand when Jesus said, I came that you might have life in that more abundantly. It's hard to even understand that until we follow the journey through Scripture that we took this morning. What's, what's the abundant life? It's me being broken and yielded so that God can produce the Christ life in me. Will you and I be willing to take this journey of faith? It is utter abandon my will to his will. It's not some deal I work out with God where you can have this and this and this and this, but I get to keep, no, stop. It's not that. It's my will being shattered for the sake of his divine will so that I can have his rich blessing. A land of promise, abundant life, great fruitfulness, and then as Peter will say later, an abundant entrance into his presence. You and I can have that. May God help us to yield. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these patterns in the scripture that just, just pull back the curtains and allow us to see the, this wonderful truth that what you want to do in us. God, I need it. God, this church needs it. And the church around the world. Would you break us? Lord, there are believers here that used to be willing to even leave a pew and kneel at the front of a church and talk to you with a broken heart. We're too stuffy. That's old-fashioned. Lord, Return us to that point where we are able to weep bitterly over our sin. That you might fill us, control us, and use us. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.